According to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the Scriptures. Join me in your Bibles, if you would, turning to Philippians chapter 4. We're at the end of Philippians. We have started the final segment, the uh, segment that a lot of times just gets glossed over. Let's wrap this up and move on to the next book. But there's actually a lot of material here in uh, verses 20 through 23, Philippians 4, 20 through 23. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we're going to be talking about glory this morning. And I printed off a handout from way back in our first Corinthians days, uh, centering on bodily glorification. And uh, we're going to review some of those issues here this morning. But it's a glory issue. And it's a glory issue that was introduced in verse 19. Remember the promise that my God will supply all your need? You know, that promise we were talking about, because a lot of people rub their hands and get all greedy and think, ooh, wow, uh, I can have all, you know, all my wants. That's not what it says. It says need, not wants. And then when it says he will supply your need, it's according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus that he supplies all your need. And so we have glory there, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's what he's faithful to provide for us in, uh, in these applications. And so the glory from verse 19 it launches then the benediction in verse 20. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 20. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And that's going to be kind of fun. We don't know a lot. We'd like, we'd like to know more about uh, that verse and more details than we have, but we'll talk about it. And then the conclusion, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. And that's a different expression as well. Not just be with you, but be with your spirit. So how is it that he's addressing a multitude of people, a plurality, uh, you know, a flock, a congregation there in Philippi, uh, and so you have a plurality of people, but a singularity of spirit. And uh, that's actually, it's a beautiful thing. And we'll uh, examine that, examine what is the spirit of a church, the spirit of, of the church at Philippi, the spirit of Austin Bible Church, for example. Are we in fact of one mind intent on one spirit? We should be. And that's uh, the blessings that we have as we're transformed by the word of God. All right. Before we do start, though, this morning, let's take a moment for silent prayer, calling upon our Father to set aside our distractions, to humble us, to equip us to handle eternal truth. Shall we pray? Almost, most gracious Heavenly Father, we do just thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your mercy, for your grace, for the blessings you bestowed day by day, moment by moment, Father. We thank you for this morning. And the privilege that it is to assemble together to receive instruction. Father, uh, there's any number of other places we could be. We could be jogging around Town Lake or mowing the lawn. Or There's all kinds of things that unbelievers like to do on a Sunday morning. But Father, we were redeemed by a Savior and this is His day. And on this day we come to grow, we come to learn, we come to worship. And we thank You in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, and so... We reach the third and final portion of this chapter. You might remember we broke it down. We dealt with verses 1 through 9 as a unit, talking about uh, <clears throat> how if you're rapture ready, that you should have a particular mindset in uh, verses 1 through 9 there. And then we talked about the money issues in verses 10 through 19. 
the fact that Philippi had sent some money, had sent some funds to support Paul in his ministry, and the thankfulness that he had there. And now we're closing with uh, one of, really one of the shortest greetings and doxology of any Pauline text in uh, verses 20 through 23. So I've titled this paragraph, Glory, Greetings, and Grace. Glory, Greetings, and Grace. And you'll see it pretty easily with the glory in verse 20, the greetings in verses 21 and 22, and then the grace that uh, wraps up the epistle in verse 23. And that's not unusual. Paul starts every letter with grace and peace. He ends every letter with grace. And that's, uh, that's, his, uh, that's his method. And so we'll be dealing with the grace issues there in verse 23. So now understand, while the Father bestows grace, and we saw that, He bestows grace in verse 19. When the Father bestows His riches and glory, it diminishes neither His riches nor His glory. Recognize that. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. And He never runs out. We run out when we have exhausted our store of endurance. You know, we sing that hymn, and uh, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, and yet the day is not even half done yet, the Father just got started. He's, he's got infinite riches, infinite riches in grace, and we can rejoice in that. So He bestows His riches and glory, diminishes neither His riches nor His glory. It's to God be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. And this is, uh, this is marvelous. And this is the attitude we ourselves are supposed to adopt. That when we give, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That when we give, that we ourselves are the ones that are profiting. That was the doctrine we studied connected to the money issues in the previous paragraph. You'll notice in verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. When you are serving the Lord spiritually, you're the one who profits. Even if you happen to be giving things away, you're not diminished. If you're giving away money, you're giving away time, you're giving away your ministry, you're giving away your pursuits and and all the things. You'll notice anything that we distribute here at Austin Bible Church, there's never a price tag attached to it. From the notebooks to the booklets to the readers to the, uh, the paper notes on the wall to anything. The MP3 downloads. I was on a website the other day and wanted to download an MP3 and it wanted me to enter my credit card information and register and all this other stuff uh, selling, their, selling their stuff. Okay? And I uh, won't tell you what website or where it was, but uh, you know, they're doing what they're doing and, and I'm not judging them. I'm just saying you know, they got to answer to the Lord like we all do. But uh, this ministry has always been a grace ministry. We freely receive, we freely give, and that's how it works. And so uh, we rejoice in that. Now, issues of glory. If you were with us Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about the Hebrew and Greek vocabulary. Some point A. Glory and glorification studies involve a rich spectrum of Hebrew and Greek expressions. Glory and glorification studies. And uh, really, it's to glory. Glory is a noun. Glorify is a verb. Glorification is a different kind of noun. But as you deal with it, we want to understand it for what it is. And as I mentioned on Wednesday, we've got a huge thing working against us, and that's called the English language. And we're going to really be hampered by our being native English speakers because uh, the nature of, of verbs with phi endings and the nature of nouns with vacation endings uh, in English speak of a change. It speaks of issues that we're making different. And, and that hurts us when we're studying glorify, glorification. All right? And I'll tell you what I'm talking about here in a moment. All right? And so, well, I'll tell you now. The, uh, 
any, any time, so take a, take a phi verb, like liquefy, right? Liquefy. And if I liquefy something, what, what am I doing? I'm taking something that's not a liquid and I'm making it to be a liquid, right? I'm liquefying, okay? Or maybe I'm purifying. What happens if I purify? I'm taking something that's not pure and I'm filtering or whatever, cleaning, I'm, I'm taking out the impurities and I'm making it so that it is pure, See, and, and you can do this with every, we can, we can spend a whole hour, I, I'm not going to do that, but if we wanted to, maybe at our next potluck we'll just sit around and phi all day. You know, we can phi and just come up with your favorite phi verb, okay? And, and all your phi verbs, by the way, are going to have fication nouns, purification, uh, mystification, uh, all, all of your phi, liquefaction, okay? So all of these fication, well now we've got a problem with glorification and glorify. Okay? Because with all these other terms, with liquefy, it wasn't a liquid when we started, but we turned it into a liquid because we liquefied it, right? Or purified. It wasn't pure when we started, or not totally pure, and now it is pure because we purified it. So you see the issue. It, you, the issue is with glorify, what are we really saying? I'm, I'm going to glorify God. Am I saying that He wasn't glorious before I started? Are we saying now that he's more glorious because little old me came along and decided to glorify him a little bit more? No. That's the thing. Okay? So the biggest thing we got to, the, the obstacle we got to overcome is the fact that God is infinitely glorious already, intrinsically. Always has been, always will be. You can't diminish his glory, even if you fail to glorify him. And a lot of times we do. We fail to glorify Him because we're too busy glorifying ourselves. Or we're too busy selfishly you know, doing other things in carnality. When we fail to glorify God, it does not diminish His glory in any sense. Because it's absolute, unchangeable, immutable, um, all the aspects there. Alright, so in Hebrew vocabulary then we're dealing with a kaved family. And it's kaved as a verb, it's kavod as a noun. Uh, the KBD root in the Hebrew and other Semitic languages uh, are all similar across the board from Arabic to Ugaritic to Hebrew to Phoenician, any, any uh, Semitic language you want to you point to. That KBD root, uh, we have those consonants uh, come together in this way. And whether, uh, you know, however you vocalize it, however you, you squeeze some vowels in there, uh, whether it's kabed or kabod or kabood or kabad or other, other uh, you might have a, 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 a meme, an M prefix, you might have some suffixes. Whatever you do with it, uh, at its core, every Hebrew word is going to have three letters. It's going to have three consonants. And in this case, KBD are the uh, consonants. And, uh, and it speaks to heaviness. It speaks to weight. And uh, in the ancient world, in the Hebrew mindset, anything heavy is important. And anything light is not important. Heavy people are important people, which should please 21st century American Christianity. You know, uh, <laughs> that's right. Get, get my amens going this morning. Heavy women were considered attractive women. Heavy men were considered attractive men. Uh, the idea is if you were heavy, that meant you were wealthy enough to have other people working for you. That the people that were thin were the people that didn't have enough to eat or had very little to eat or, uh, you know, your laborers, your workers and slaves and, and things like that. Uh, so the imagery is there. Uh, the name Ichabod is your mnemonic for 
um, for this because the kabod in Ichabod speaks to the E, speaks to no, and the kabod speaks to glory, and so there's no glory. And uh, the story comes in 1 Samuel 4.21, if you're not familiar with it. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of places like this where babies get named and they get named based on something that happened or they get named based on something else. And uh, a lot of times it's wishful thinking on the part of the parents. <laughs> the parents give them this glorious name and then they don't live up to those expectations. You know, a lot of pressure on a kid um, if, you, if you're given a particular name like that. But in 1 Samuel 4.21, when, when Eli dies here and his sons, I mean, the, the state of Israel was in pretty bad shape at this point. Their priesthood, their high priest and the family there being just a wreck. And, um, and so here's, uh, get down to the end of the chapter here. The high priest was Eli. His sons were Hophni and Phinehas. Uh, they were killed. The ark was taken. The Philistines had plundered and taken the ark with them. And um, so let's see, verse 17, I guess. Uh, the one who had brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. And when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backward beside the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he was old and heavy. Okay, and this is a, a case where the scripture here, First Samuel 24, uh, the scripture here is using that concept of heavy to illustrate in uh, in really an aspect here on glory. The glory has been taken from Israel. The Ark of the Covenant was plundered. It was taken by the Philistines. And so the idea of no glory is, is uh, pretty clear. Thus he uh, judged Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was pregnant and about to give birth and when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband had died, see, I think she's more spiritually minded than the rest of the family put together. Um, but she gets this news um, that her, the ark was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband had died. She kneeled down and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, yeah, real happy story here, right? About the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, do not be afraid for you've given birth to a son. And uh, so she lives long enough to be delivered of a son. But she did not answer or pay attention and she called the boy Ichabod. And it's interesting is that she has no, she didn't want to interact with these midwives or these women. Didn't want to, you know, they're trying to encourage her. And she's communicating doctrine here. And she called the boy Ichabod saying the glory has departed from Israel. Because the, and it says because the ark of God was taken because of her father-in-law and her husband. So she said the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God was taken. That, those are the words out of her mouth that the ark is gone. Not her husband, not her father-in-law the ark is gone. And so she names the boy Ichabod. Anyway, that story, it's a sad story, but if it helps you remember the glory is gone, Ichabod, then uh, you'll have a a vocabulary boost uh, for that. And and there's dozens of places throughout the Old Testament where uh, babies are getting born. When Cain was born, it's because she had Cana acquired. Cana, Cain is is the, uh, the name there for Cain. I have acquired a man child, the Lord. All right. 
So those are the Hebrew terms. The idea is heaviness. The idea is weight. And things of value weigh more. And uh, things that cost more weigh more. The, uh, recognizing that you're going you're gonna to dish out silver on a scale and, uh, and if it, it costs too much than you can afford, uh, you've got you to weigh more silver out on that scale to, uh, to make your purchase. The Greek terms are thinking words. Doxa and doxadzo. Doxa and doxadzo. Doxa is the noun, D-O-X-A. By the way, these are used everywhere. You'll notice if you've got like kabe that's used 113 times and kabod that's used 200 times, the, the Old Testament's got a lot to say about glory. And likewise in the Greek, in the New Testament, doxa, 166 times, doxadzo, 61 times. And so the New Testament has a lot to say about glory and glorification. These uh, Greek terms, they are semantically and conceptually linked to thinking, dakeo, to thinking. Not logically thinking, not rationally thinking, but how it seems, how it seems. And so um, we've got other words um, besides the dakeo family. You know, the Greeks were powerful thinkers, and that's why they have, you know, seven or eight different, we've got all kinds of verbs for thinking. Uh, you got logizomai, anything that's logical or centered on calculations, anything that's um, it would be in that family. You got dakeo, and in the idea of dakeo is uh, is is just how does it seem? And even if uh, even if you don't know, it just seems like, and so you just kind of think. So um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to have for lunch this afternoon, but I'm kind of thinking. Maybe, you know, what, I'm, what am I thinking about? You know, and it just kind of seems like... And so it's not based on um, calculations. It's not based on logic. It's not based on reason. or It's just what you're thinking about. That's the idea of dakeo. And then eudakeo. Okay? You put the EU prefix on front of it. It's like eulogy or, or uh, a lot of our other terms that start with EU. Then that speaks to the goodness or how something is well, well thought of well thought of, okay? And so you're thinking about lunch and you're thinking, hmm, you know, what sounds good? Okay, well, I think, I don't know, I think cheeseburgers always sound good. I think, you know, uh, and then, uh, you know, there's other things that they just never sound good. You, they never, you never yudikeo, uh, you know, someone wants escargot or snails and, you know, no, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking snails today. I'm not thinking frog's legs. I'm thinking cheeseburgers, okay? Or whatever. So it comes down to what you're thinking and what pleases you to think about. What are the pleasant thoughts to think about? Right? This comes down to now terms that really become vastly theological because the good pleasure of God is synonymous with the will of God. He accomplishes all His good pleasure. If you're in the will of God, what does he say? Behold, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. So these issues of pleasure are fundamental, I think, to, to our Christian walk and to uh, just theology at large. So the idea of glory and glorification, you can't separate the glory of God from the good pleasure of God. You can't separate the glory of God from uh, being well-pleasing in his sight. If you're going to glory in the things of the Lord, that means you're walking a walk that's well-pleasing to God. Anything that, just in simple terms, anything that glorifies Him is something He's well-pleased with. And, and vice versa, anything that He's not well-pleased with, that's not glorifying to Him. 
That's not glorifying Him if He's not well pleased with it. So these linkages become, uh, they become huge. Okay? Now, fundamentally then what we deal with, so we have dakeo, if you want Strong's numbers, they're on the screen. Uh, it's 1380, there's 63 uses there. You don't have to look at all of those to understand glory. Uh, good pleasure, you got eutycheo, 2106 is the Strong's Concordance number there. Another 21 uses, eutychia is the noun with nine uses in 2107. All right, so the idea of glory, when, when, if I glorify God, I'm not changing God, I'm not adding to His glory, because that's infinite, I'm not taking Him from inglorious to glorious, not like a purification process, all right? But what am I doing? I am communicating my high regard. That's what I'm doing. That not only do I have a high view of God, I have regard for God. I'm impressed by God, right? Are you impressed by God? Does God just amaze you? All right. So you have a sense, you have a, an esteem, a high appreciation for God for His being, for His work, for His word, for His plan. You hold the Lord in high regard. Okay, So now, you need to share that. You need to extend that. You need to communicate by word and by deed. You need to communicate to other people the high regard that you have for God. And when you do, you're glorifying Him. That's the, uh, that's the verbal transitive activity of doxadzo. Okay? The verbal uh, emphasis here of doxadzo is I'm going to communicate my high regard to influence you so that you have a high regard. And maybe <laughs> in the process I'll have an even greater regard when I'm done with that because it's going to come back. You're going to communicate to me as well. We're going to find fellowship in these things. Because I have a high regard for the Lord, you have a high regard for the Lord. As I communicated that to you and you communicate it back to me, what are we doing? We're fellowshipping, we're sharing, we're quinoneoing these things together in a, in a very powerful way. All right. And so under subpoint three, uh, an excellent study in glorification was taught at Austin Bible Church in the First Corinthians series, way back in the First Corinthians series in chapter six. And it was titled Bodily Glorification. And we gave it that title because in 1 Corinthians 6, we're told, and we can join, join me there, 1 Corinthians 6, and uh, the last verse of the chapter. First Corinthians 6, verse 100. Okay, now that's my secret. There are no, I mean, chapter 6 isn't that long. It ends at verse 20. But when you use the Logos Bible software and you don't know how many verses there are in a chapter, just throw a huge number in there. I usually use 100, okay? And that works almost everywhere except Psalm 119, right? Just, just say verse 100. Just type in 1 Corinthians 6, 100. And your Bible software is smarter than you are and it says, okay, um, there aren't 100 verses in this chapter, dummy, but here's the last one, you know. It'll take you to 1 Corinthians 6.20. And then you go, oh yeah, okay. There's 20 verses in that chapter. You can do the same thing, by the way, with chapters. You could say, take me to Romans 28. And it says, well, I can take you to Romans 16. That's the best I can do. And it leaves you at the end if you, if you put a number in there that was too high. 
All right. Anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And that was the verse that launched the handout that you got this morning, way back in the day. Uh, You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And so we're under an imperative. We're commanded to glorify God, and we're commanded to glorify God bodily with our body, which just adds more pressure to everything because this body is a body of sin. It's a body of death. It's a sinful body. It's the one component that didn't get transformed when we uh, got saved. Our soul got saved. Our spirit was made alive. What happened to your body when you believed in Christ for eternal life? Nothing whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever happened to your body when you got saved. But your soul got saved and your spirit was made alive. Your body is actually the final piece of the puzzle and that doesn't get redeemed. That doesn't get uh, saved, if you will, until your physical death or the rapture. Okay, Then you get the, the glorification to your body as well. Really, I mean, it's the, it's the weak link in this whole thing, isn't it? Jesus said so. He said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right, so we get that. The, the, the body is not on your side in this angelic conflict. It's, it's serving the adversary. We get that. And yet God says, by His grace, you can glorify Him even with your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You know, all this militant attitude of, I can do whatever I want to do with my body. And wait a minute. Do you? Can you? You were bought with a price. Who owns you? All right. So uh, we did a study. Although, and as you look at your handout, and as we're going to go through this morning, um, the even though it was titled bodily glorification, it really broadened out and encompassed a lot of other issues with respect to glory and glorification beyond just the physical body stuff. And so um, that's why I wanted to review it with you here this morning. Um, I still meant to put a little clicker in there, and I didn't. So allow me to show off the website again. I did this on Wednesday, and I'm doing it again to this morning. Because it's so useful. And, I, and even Wednesday, I didn't do everything I wanted to do, so this is my chance to, to do it better this morning. Um, as I mentioned, if, you, if there's a study sitting there and you want to review it, right, because you heard it way back when and you want to hear it all over again, this is the best asset available is having these, these MP3 files sitting there, these PDF documents sitting there, the Word documents sitting there, and just take these things and, and, and make use of them. They're there, okay? And uh, the current series is right there on the front. So you've got Philippians, Hebrews, Proverbs all right there. And any, any one of those that you click on is going to take you to that page, right? And so, um, you know, we're in a Philippian study right now. Click on Philippians, and there they are. And they're listed from the most recent one at the top. So Wednesday night's class is right there at the top. If you missed it, just go get it, and there it is. If, uh, if you want to podcast the Philippian series, just go to the Philippians page, and then down at the bottom it says subscribe to Philippians, okay? That's the URL you want to make use of in your podcasting software. That's what you want to use in, in whatever, Apple, uh, Android, whatever you, whatever you do um, in your podcasting application. When you want to subscribe to a, to a feed, that's the feed you want to subscribe to, okay? Because if you just click on it, you're just going to get a bunch of code and stuff, and that's, that's just geek language. Don't worry about that. Um, but copy that URL there at the top, put that into your, into your app, and, uh, and you'll be good, Okay? And next thing you know, you're going to have 184 Philippians classes to listen to because that's how many MP3s we've got so far. 
And then when we finish this one, it'll go up there. We'll have 185. And it'll get posted, and there it is. All right. Now, as I said, 1 Corinthians, way back in the day. So uh, here at the top, under audio recordings, you uh, look to the right column, and you have your option there. Uh, There's a number of different ways you can sort here. And you got all speakers, current studies. Current studies is where you'll find Philippians and Hebrews and, and Proverbs. The Grace Notes topic library that our Sunday night teachers are doing. Completed studies, conferences and ordinations. I mean, all kinds of stuff there. Um, completed studies, right? And everything we've been doing here in recent years. Isaiah, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Jeremiah, all the way down. Okay? First Corinthians. What did I say? It was chapter 6. It's broken down by a chapter. Chapter 6. Okay? It's broken down by segment within. So you got the 1 through 8 segment. You got the 9 through 20 segment. Some of these are expandable. Or they're supposed to be expandable. There we go. And within the uh, 9 through 20 segment is the, uh, the bodily glorification topic. Okay? And so this is the topic, and there's the classes. Again, most recent one on the top, you probably want to reverse it, listen from the beginning to the end in that order. Also on the bottom of the page, PDF notes, document notes. Okay, You probably prefer the PDF uh, if you're concerned about font issues, if you're concerned that the Greek and Hebrew won't display because you don't have the Greek and Hebrew support in your word processor, then just get the PDF and uh, then display the text like that. Uh, if you want to turn it, though, into a Logos book, you need the document, the Word document, to uh, to turn it into a Logos book. All right. Also, while I'm here, the uh, that nesting of things, uh, that's all built in, and that's all very sortable. And maybe you want to go beyond... I showed you in the right-hand menu how to how to drill down. You can also across the top here. Everything here is is clickable, and so everything here you can back up to. So yes, you're in the bodily glorification page, which has its uh, podcast subscription link on the bottom. If you just want to get those nine MP3s, um, or you can back up to get that segment of First Corinthians. Uh, you can get chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. And every time you select one of those levels, now you've got all the MP3s from chapter 6. Or if you want all the MP3s from 1 Corinthians, all the MP3s are there now from 1 Corinthians. Whatever level you want to get, go to that level on the page. They're going to be listed for you there in order by date. You know, this goes all the way back to 2008. That was 11 years ago. I was still in my 30s. Wow. Again, there's a subscribe button there. If you want your podcast app to go get everything in uh, 1 Corinthians, you can do that. 693 lessons. I remember it was going to be 666 and we didn't want to stop there. So we kept going and we did some summary reviews. All right. Anyway, all of that is there. One final thing, okay? One final thing. What if... um, you get to austinbiblechurch.com, which is, should be your homepage anyway, anytime your web browser starts up. When you get to austinbiblechurch.com and you're looking at that, and then you're thinking, now wait a minute, where was that study? 
I don't remember that it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right? I just know he did a study on, on uh, bodily glorification. So you got a little Google box here. Bodily glorification and search. And the website that has a better memory than you do will display things and every hit where there's bodily glorification is going to be displayed. And on really on the search result page, there's all kinds of things. And, and it kind of doesn't matter which one you click. The, the top one there is a document page. Uh, then the rest of those are audio files. Okay, so pick whichever you want. Uh, I would just simply go you know, to the bodily glorification page. And then what I normally do, just pick any of those, doesn't really matter get to a landing page that's going to have this bar across the top, that's going to have this uh, navigation menu here, this nested navigation menu. Because I just happen to land on the document page, so if I want the document or the PDF, I can go get those. Or what probably would edify me the most is if I just come to here, and uh, that way not only can I get those documents, I can also get, I have access to the, to the audio. I've got access to the MP3 files, and uh, and I can listen to those there. Okay. Maybe if I was engaged to be married, I would type in marriage, and uh, find what we have there. Say, okay, look at that marriage. Yeah, I want to do that. Hey, that was in First Corinthians chapter seven, the doctrine of marriage. Hey, there's 24 MP3s I can listen to, and a PDF document I can read, and things like that. The website is full of of stuff there. It's just unbelievable. And, and it's there 24 hours a day. You can go get it at 3 o'clock in the morning and not wake your pastor up, right? Just go get it. And uh, tell me about it the next morning. All right. What I've done, I went ahead and I made photocopies this morning, so you got handouts there. And if we run out, we can make more, more photocopies. But uh, this doctrine on bodily glorification that came out of 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Turn some of these off. I'm uh, coloring words that uh, our Greek students are learning. As they're learning them, each chapter the vocabulary gets added and so the words that they should know are getting colored as we turn there. All right. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You've been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. Whoops. You have been bought with a price. And in the notes, um, talk about some of that, the agorazo, uh, the, the purchase. The idea that God purchased you should tell you something. The idea that God purchased you tells you that there was a priority, that there was an estimation that God made. Because generally speaking, you don't buy something you don't want to buy. You don't buy something, and if you don't want to buy it, no one makes you buy it, unless the government passes a law and says you have to buy health insurance. But normally speaking, you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to buy it. Okay, And when you do buy it, you pay the price you want to pay. And if it's too high, you don't pay it. And if it's low enough and you say it's worth it to you, then you pay it. And it's a free exchange. And it's completely volitional. It's completely glorifying in the plan of God as, as, a, uh, as a free will offering when you are spending that money uh, in, in, on a free basis. Anyway, God bought you with a price. 
And he spent the costliest thing ever. He sacrificed the life of his son. He paid a unique price that has no equal. An infinite, eternal price. And, and it's just extraordinary that, uh, that we diminish it in our attitude when we, when we attitudinally just throw it away and say, eh, who cares, big deal. And we live our lives in sin or we live our lives in, a, in, a, in an Ecclesiastes kind of way, just totally blowing off how much God spent to give you eternal life. And it's, uh, it's insulting to the spirit of grace and it's, it's uh, mocking to the God who will not be mocked. It's uh, lining you up for discipline that we'll study in the warning passage of Hebrews chapter 10. When you trample underfoot the Son of God and regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you are saved. Uh, there are warnings that come to walking in a manner not worthy of the calling with which you've been called. So you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You are not your own. You now belong to the Lord. You belong to God. He bought you. You're His as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And so to glorify, and here's doxodzo. Doxodzo is to influence one's opinion about another so as to enhance the latter's reputation. To influence one's opinion about another so as to enhance the latter's reputation. And so with that as the, as the, um, the etymology, we then can give it translations of things like praise, honor, extol, okay? Maybe as Americans we might think of it as um, flattery or um, marketing or uh, a sales pitch. I mean, we, we, we so were oriented towards the commercialism on things. Um, but the point is, is we have a high regard, okay? Like a vacuum cleaner salesman, right? And you show up and you want to show your product and say, I love this product. This Kirby or this Rainbow or this whatever, this Hoover, this, I just, I love this uh, vacuum cleaner. And so I'm going to share my high opinion, my high regard to influence your thinking. I want you to be so impressed with this vacuum cleaner <laughs> that you're going to reach a point of, of, of maximum being impressedness and you're going to be, you're going to come to the point where you're just like, I need that. I can't do without that. I can't believe I don't have one yet already. I need it now. Right? All right. Now that's marketing and that's selling salesmanship, okay, which we're not here to do. Let's take it away from the salesmanship aspect because it doesn't cost a thing. He's paid the price already. And it doesn't really cost you anything. You're not, you don't get anything. When you evangelize, it's not like you're profiting. You're making money off of every, every uh, it's not like multi-level marketing where you got to get more people underneath you and something, Okay. You actually, you're just given the gospel so that Christ gets glorified. You're given the gospel so that they benefit, that they don't go to hell when they die. And so, but you're still doing the same thing. You have such a high regard for God and you want it to rub off. You want them to have the thinking you have. Right? And so that's what it comes down to. Doxa is, uh, is the noun for glory, but it relates to an opinion, a judgment, a view. So what's your thinking on that? What do you think? You know, what would you pay for something like that? What do you think? Okay. And men and women will come up with different numbers because we're different. You know, there's something I would pay a whole lot more than Sharon wouldn't spend a nickel on. 
And there's stuff that she would pay a whole lot more that I still don't understand why, why she spent all that money on it. But okay. It had value to her, so she bought it. So here's the thing. I have an opinion, and I want to share that opinion. God is great, and I, he's, He is glorious. I want you to know about His glory, and I want you to share in that attitude of glory. That's the whole idea. And So everything I do that contributes towards that is glorifying. And that might be preaching the gospel, it might be living my life, it might be uh, verbal, it might be uh, physical. It could be, it could be anything. As long as I'm communicating, God's important, His Word's important. You know what? Coming to church this morning was glorifying. Because you demonstrated to your neighbor <laughs> that you had somewhere to go this morning. You demonstrated to your neighbor that you hold the Word of God in a high priority. And he saw that. Oh, there they go again. There go those church people again. And even if they don't appreciate it, they still see it. And that's what you're doing. There is a great definition of glorification in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 28 and 29. It's also uh, featured in Psalm 29 and Psalm 96. The Bible, God Himself loves redundancy. God Himself loves to repeat things. God Himself likes to stress things over and over again. God Himself will do this repeatedly and redundantly so that it makes that point sink in. And I don't mind doing it. And I don't mind taking something that was taught in 2008 and reteaching it again in 2019. So let's look at 1 Chronicles uh, 16, 28, and 29. Because I think this is a marvelous definition of what does it mean to glorify? What does it mean to praise? To uh, You're communicating the high regard. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. So ascribe. Ascribe, meaning declare it, talk about it, communicate it to others, ascribe His glory and strength. Now He's not going to be more glorious because you said so, but it's your blessing to say so. It's your blessing to relate that to someone else who maybe they wouldn't say so until you brought it up and communicated your high regard. So now they're sharing that regard. Ascribe glory and strength. Ascribe the strength of God. You know, when you're being tested, when you're going through something, you've got an employment issue, you've got a family issue, or whatever test you're going through, your coworkers are watching you go through it. And maybe they don't understand why you're not a basket case by now. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And tell your coworker, you know what? My God is strong. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. My God supplies all my need. My God provides for me. And He's going to see me through this test. He want to pray with me? <laughs> you know, just invite Him. And you're ascribing to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Glorification is a communal activity. You can do it all by your lonesome if you want to, but it's not really designed to do it that way. Do it in a community. Do it with your wife, with your family, with your church family. Do it with brothers and sisters as you encounter them in different places. You know, if, uh, if you encounter a brother or a sister and you find out, hey, you know what, we're family, didn't know that. You know, no strangers in the body of Christ. There's just family members we haven't met yet. And then you say, hey, you know what, 
And we can worship, we can praise, we can ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. That's a blessing. The Lord's name is a name of glory. It's sad how His name gets abused. It's sad how it becomes a curse word. It's sad how people get mad and they, whatever. You know, the other night somebody was all upset at something and he said, oh, I don't, I don't even like to say it. I love the name of Jesus. I just don't want to say Jesus with a happy inflection. And this guy was saying Jesus in not a happy inflection. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do it here this morning. But you've heard it. You know what I'm talking about. The name of, and that's abusing the name. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And uh, his name is holy. His name is worthy to be praised. Worship the Lord in holy array. That is, worship in the splendor of his holiness. Prostrate yourself before the Lord when he appears in holiness. Talked about that. We're not taking nine classes to teach this here. We're going to get one or two. So here's my definition. Glorify means to communicate and or demonstrate by thought, word, and deed the high regard of worthiness that God's being is due communicate by word or deed, thought, word, or deed, the high regard of worthiness that God's being is due. Communicate that. Because if you don't, you're communicating the opposite. You can actually demonstrate quite clearly that you hold His word in low regard. You hold Him in low regard. Yeah, okay, He created you. Yeah, He saved you. Yeah. But really you're more important than anything else and you exalt yourself and you communicate that you hold God in a low regard just by your actions. So that's uh, something to be mindful of. Anyway, I love First Chronicles 16. It doesn't stop there either. It says, um, worship Him in holy array, tremble before Him all the earth. Uh, it, talks, it says, bring an offering and come before Him. If He's worthy, He's worthy of not only your praise but your devotion. He's worthy of your gifts. Bring an offering, come before Him. And don't come empty-handed. Are you coming to receive instruction this morning? Are you coming just to, to take, 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 take? What are you giving? Is He worthy? So there's, uh, there's a lot that's, that's in that just that one psalm. Like I say, it's First Chronicles 16, but it's also restated in, in uh, Psalm 20, what was it? Psalm 29 and Psalm 96. These same, uh, these same verses. Okay. Romans 6.19. Join me there. Romans 6.19. And the reason why this gets so practical is I think this, uh, this becomes the, the mentality behind overt actions. We want to start with the thinking. We want to start with a mental attitude. We want to have biblical thinking so that biblical thinking can help shape biblical activity, right? We, uh, that, that keeps us from becoming legalists. That keeps us from just, you know, thumping our Bibles and stomping our feet and pounding our pulpit and railing against sin and whatever with the do's and the don'ts. Uh, it's not a legalistic list of do's and don'ts. It's the renewing of your mind so that you're thinking the way God thinks, you're thinking the way Jesus thinks, you're oriented to what pleases Him, you're oriented to what honors Him and what He's worth. And then that gets reflected in your actions. If your mentality is on what God is worth, 
then these sin temptations become unthinkable. They just, oh, why would I do that? You just reject it. Satan says, turn the stone into bread. And you say, uh uh-uh. Man shall not live by bread alone. Or you just you're just quoting scripture and you're you're transformed by the word of God. So Romans 6:19, speaking in human terms, because of the weakness of your flesh, the recognition that the, the body is the weak link, weak link in this whole operation. Just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And so this is what we have now. Now that we're believers, we've been rescued from the slave market of sin. We now belong to Jesus Christ. Live accordingly. So freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. And so this is what we're going to do. And so we're going to present our members as instruments of righteousness because the positional truth reality now impacts our thinking and impacts our actions. And we're going to glorify Him in this whole process. So, the believer, this is the point of study in Roman numeral 2, sub point A. The believer's actions in the physical body are either subject to the sin nature or subject to the Holy Spirit. There's no middle ground. You're either in fellowship or you're out of fellowship. You're walking in light or you're walking in darkness. You're spiritual or you're carnal. Any questions on that? We've got a booklet out there called Spirituality versus Carnality. It's one or the other. So negative volition leads to even more negative volition. Positive volition leads to even more positive volition in the sphere of experiential sanctification. Selfish living is of the flesh, but living on behalf of Jesus Christ is how we glorify God in our bodies. Join me now in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. This is kind of fun. I just get to tap and click. My Bible goes where I want it to go. I don't have to flip pages. On days that my flipper's feeling tired, I can just point and click, and there it goes. And it's curious. There's there's a lot of detail in these passages that I think um, certain theological positions overlook or or they fail to appreciate. the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live. And I can appreciate that he died for all so that they who live. Different groups, okay? I think this is a marvelous text to defend unlimited atonement versus the particular application of that atonement to those who believe and receive eternal life. In any event, they who live might no longer live for themselves. Notice that? So back before they lived, how did they live? Okay, because they were dead in their transgressions. And yet the living dead of the unbeliever, they live for themselves. It's a selfish way of life. So they might no longer live for themselves like they used to do back when they were spiritually dead. That's, That's how they lived. That's how they walked. There's the walking dead in Ephesians chapter 2. Here we've got the living dead in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's like Hollywood's ripping off the Bible with all these titles they come up with. One died for all, therefore all died. He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You want to glorify Jesus Christ? Live for Jesus Christ. Live for him. 
If you're living for Him, you're glorifying God. If you're living for yourself, you're not glorifying God. You're communicating a low regard for God when you're living for yourself. You're communicating a high regard for God when you're living for Jesus Christ. And when you're recognizing one another on that basis, it says, verse 16, therefore from now on recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him this way no longer. Understand, that's, that's deep. Looking at one another as glorified saints at the right hand of God the Father. Because Jesus Christ is glorified at the right hand of God the Father. Yes, He had an earthly walk. Okay, we get that. But He concluded that earthly walk and He died and He rose again and He ascended to be seated at the Father's right hand. Okay? That's how we recognize Him. That's how we are to recognize one another seated at the right hand of God. Not according to the flesh. We recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know Him this way no longer. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. So we look to one another, not in our humanity, not in our present walk, but seated in glory at the right hand of God. And uh, I think that's glorious. I think that's a It's a sweet uh, blessing that allows us to remove the subjectivity out of the equation, to remove the the personality conflicts out of the equation, to recognize that uh, we're all still works in progress, that we're all still being molded, we're all still being shaped, we're all still being worked on, but positionally we're there. And so we look to one another as seated, glorified, and uh, it's it's a marvelous blessing to our Christian walk. So the dead live for themselves. The living ought to live for Christ. By living for Christ, the believer communicates and demonstrates the high regard that Christ is entitled to. In this way, the believer glorifies God in his body. There's a progression of those statements throughout the document. All right? Because you're, you're showing the high regard you have for God. You're showing the high regard you have for Christ. You're showing the high regard you have for the Word of God. There's different stages and progressions to this through the document. Romans 12. Let's see. No. 1 Corinthians 10 and Romans 14. Making vo- This is sub-point C, by the way. Main point C in the development making volitional choices by means of faith and direct application of the Word of God is how we glorify God in our bodies. It's very practical, very how-to. See, some people think glorify based on praise chorus songs, right? Glorify, 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 and you sing it 11 times and you just get in this mantra in these days. Um, I mean, seriously, I don't want to mock it, but I just, man, I know there's brothers and sisters that eat that stuff up and they love it, and then God bless you. But to me... Um, and I had to attend this thing a month ago, and and they did. They droned and they droned and they droned. And oh, sitting next to my brother, I'm thinking, I was there for this uh, content. I was there for the teachers, for the speakers. Fassel was one of the speakers. I was there for the. And I'm like, can we just wrap this up now and get you know? We could have had two or three more speakers if we could have shortened that other stuff. Anyway, glorify, glorify, glorify. It's not through uh, an emotion. It's not through the, the, what we call the worship service. It's not raising your hands or singing. It's not the music. It's not the instruments. It's living your life based upon biblical norms and standards. 
making choices based on how the Word of God is shaping your thinking. Making volitional choices by means of faith and direct application of the Word of God. See? And so there you have it. And you, you do it every day, seven days a week, all day, every day. When you're faced with a choice, when you're faced with a temptation, when your business partner wants you to do something shady that possibly illegal or possibly definitely immoral, and, uh, and then you say, wait a minute, I'm going to make my decision based upon the Word of God and, and my faith convictions before the Lord. And when you do that, you're glorifying Him. And your business partner may hate you for it. Your friend may not understand it. But you're communicating to everybody, friends and enemies and God alike, that you hold His Word in high regard. Because you live His Word. That's, the, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, you know, and beyond learning it, you've got to be living it. Because if you just become an academic you know, monstrosity that knows everything and never lives it, what are you communicating? You're not communicating a high regard. You're communicating at best a mixed regard that says, yeah, I'd like to know it, but I don't like to live it. Well, then you just diminished that regard in your, in your estimation, didn't you? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so that's, that's comprehensive. That's comprehensive. And notice that it doesn't tell you what to do, but it tells you in whatever you are doing, make sure it's God that you're glorified is the reason why you're doing it. So, um, you know, whether you eat or drink in the sphere of doubtful things, in, in personal applications, when you're going to come to a faith conviction, or even just in personal preferences. There's, there's a lot that we deal with. It's just God, I call it the discretionary will of God. God leaves it to your discretion. And uh, just make sure that the choice you made, you made not for selfish reasons, but for the glory of God. You say, well, I made that choice for, you know, think back to different things and you made you know, maybe you made a good choice, but you made it for wrong reasons. Yeah? Do better next time. Make a good choice, but make it for right reasons. Okay? And when it comes down to is Christ being glorified in this? If, um, if, if it's a selfish reason, then maybe you're not doing it, yeah, clearly you're not doing it for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And this, this is true if, if, you know, you're praying about a job change, you're praying about a career, you're praying about a um, anything, a house purchase. Okay, so my mother-in-law is doing a house purchase right now. So, my sister-in-law, and uh, you know, well, why do you buy the house that you buy? For selfish reasons or God's reasons? Do everything for the glory of God. And say, well, I want the the biggest house I can afford. Does that glorify God? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, ask, ask, stand before the Lord and say. I'm out of time. We'll come back to this Wednesday night. Remind me, we'll come back to this Wednesday night because um, again, I, don't, I think we took nine classes or whatever here to do it, but um, we're going to take, uh, I forget how many we did. I think it was nine. Is that nine? Yeah, it's nine. Um, we'll do two or three, okay? Just to reinforce this, just to make sure that we're solid on this, that we know how to communicate the high regard that we have for God and His Word.
So we'll pick up here Wednesday night. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for brothers and sisters that are hungry to be fed. And they want to be fed not just to know things. They want to be fed because they're workmen needing not to be ashamed. And uh, Father, they're dedicated to serving you in their workman capacity. And so Father, open our eyes to see not just what we need to learn, but how we can take what we've learned and make use of it so that uh, this lost and dying world is clearly communicated to that uh, they understand that we hold you and your word in high regard. I thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.